0: Right. Good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. Hey, I want to do something real quick as we get started uh, today. I know that uh, this past week we uh, celebrated uh, Veterans Day on Friday. And so I want to take a moment and I want to recognize uh, those of you who have served in the military or are serving in the military. And I will not even want to go further and say if you're here and you have a family member that's serving in the military or has served, would you Stand up, and let's say thank you today uh, to our veterans. All right, as Lance said, if you would uh, take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 10 this morning. Uh, that's where we will begin, but as we start out in John chapter 10, we're then going to jump over to John chapter 3, and then I'm going to be throwing in some other verses that you may want to uh, write down today. A monastery in Portugal is perched on a cliff 3,000 feet up, and the only way that you can get up to this monastery is in a basket that is tied off by a rope and there's strong men that are up on this cliff that are pulling that basket up there was an american tourist who was going up to see this monastery and he was riding up in the basket and he began to look at the rope that was tied onto the basket and he noticed that this uh, rope looked old and was very frayed which made him very afraid And so when he got to the top, he was talking to the head monk and he said, have a question for you. How often do you change the rope that is tied off on the basket? And the monk looked at him. He said, oh, we change it out every time that it breaks. (laughs) Now I'm thinking at that point, I'm like, I think you need to change that rope before we go down because I've got a problem with that. I don't want to be hanging off this cliff when the rope breaks. Well, I believe that many times in our lives, we probably feel like we're in a basket, hanging off of a cliff, looking at a rope that is very frayed, and it feels like that rope could break at any moment, and our world just fall apart. I wonder, do you ever feel like that in your life? The reality is that we live in a very insecure world, and we try the best that we can to build our own security, to build security around us. So think about this. When you go home at night, for most of us, we make sure that the doors are locked. We make sure that the windows are locked. Why do we do that? Because we want security in our home. Some of us even have fancy security systems to make sure that we are safe within our home. But beyond that, we try to build security in our financial lives. We want to make sure that we've got a good job that pays the bills so that we can live comfortably. We want to make sure that our 401s and our retirement accounts are funded to the fullest so I can live securely whenever I decide to retire one day. And we put things into place financially to make sure that we are secure financially. Even in our relationships with other people, we want to be secure And so we are limited who we let get close to us in those relationships. We are limited to who we let come in and and be a close part to really get to know who we are. Because we want that security and, and we can't trust everybody, right? So we try to build this wall of security around us in our relationships. And I believe if we were to be honest today... Some of us would have to say that even in our relationship with God, we don't always feel as secure as we would like to feel. So we began to try to do things to help us feel more secure in our relationship with God. And so we, we began to go to church more, or we read our Bible more, or we uh, give to the needy more. We do all these different things, which are not necessarily bad things, but we're trying to. To do these things so that we will feel more secure in our relationship with God. Well, we've been in a series of messages over the last couple of weeks that we've entitled Blessed. And we took this year and we've really been looking at who Christ is. We've studied uh, who He is, what He did, and what He taught. And through that study, we realize that when we truly understand who Christ is, we truly believe what He did, and and we understand what He taught, that we realize in our lives that we are truly blessed. And we started out uh, this series in week one, and we saw that in Christ, I am loved. In week two, we saw that in Christ, I am chosen. Last week, we saw that in Christ... I am forgiven. And today, I want to talk to you about being in Christ, we are secure. Now, there's something we need to understand there in the title of all those. It starts out in Christ. It is when we are in Christ that all these things apply to us. And in Christ today, we are secure. I want us to Look today beyond our earthly security. Because everything that in this earth, in this world, where we live today, that we feel like may give us some security is only temporary security. And I want us to consider our eternal security today that we have when we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So look with me, if you would, at John chapter 10, beginning in verse 22. It says, it was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand the father and i are one let's pray together father i thank you today for this time of studying your word together and god we know today that your word is powerful sharper than a double-edged sword God, I pray that your word today would just uh, pierce our hearts. That God, our hearts would be ready to receive what you have for each one of us in our own personal lives. And we thank you today for the work that you're going to do. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Now in this passage, the Jews are ready to kill Jesus. And they're wanting Jesus to admit to them openly and publicly that he is the Messiah being that he is God and if he will just admit this to them then they will be able to kill him for blasphemy as a matter of fact if you continue to read on it says that when Jesus got through speaking to them here that they gathered stones so that they could stone him But Jesus gives them a very interesting answer when they say, would you plainly tell us? Would you just go ahead and spit it out? Are you the Messiah? And he gives them uh, this very interesting response. He says, I've already told you. Matter of fact, not only have I told you, but I have shown you in the work that I'm doing that I am that Messiah. I've already told you, you don't believe me because you are not one of my sheep. And because you're not one of my sheep, you're just really not getting it. Now when Jesus here is talking about one of his sheep, he's talking about those that believe him, that trust him, and that are following him, they've committed their life to him. But he goes on to say, and it gets real interesting, not only have I told you this, but notice what he says again in verse 28. He says that I give them eternal life and they will never perish and not only that no one can snatch them away from me so he says those that have believed those that understand that I am the Messiah that I am the Christ those who place their faith and belief and trust in me I give them eternal life they will never perish and not only that he goes on to say that no one can snatch them from me and then he doesn't stop there. He continues on. And he says, and not only can no one snatch them out of my hands, but no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand because the Father is more powerful than I than everyone else. And then he says, I and the Father are one. I'm the same. I am the great I am. I am the Messiah. He's telling them as plainly as you can tell them. And... They still weren't getting it. But listen closely to this today. If we are in Christ, we are secure. I don't want you to miss this in this passage today. He says that I give them eternal life. Nothing can take that away. When he gives us something, there's nothing in this world that could ever take that away. And that should be some very encouraging words to all of us that are in Christ today. We are blessed today, and we are blessed because we are secure in Him. Now, I want to break this down a little bit for us this morning because there's, there's a lot of stuff here. And i got to tell you, it was very hard to narrow this down into a, a short message today because there's so much that the Bible talks about in our security that we have in Christ that really we could go four to six weeks in a series just talking about that and how secure we are in Christ. But it is very important for us to get this today, that we are eternally secure in Christ. This is necessary for our spiritual health. It is necessary for our daily walk with Him. When we understand this truth, it is life-changing for each one of us. Can you imagine the emotional state that a child would have if they didn't know from day to day if they were part of their family or not? Can you imagine uh, what would be going through their mind each and every day if they didn't know if the Father loved them today or not? So today I get up and I'm part of the family and I go throughout the day and I do everything like I'm supposed to. I represent the family well so I can go home tonight and I can know that I am part of the family. But tomorrow I get up and and I'm going through life and I mess up. And when I mess up now, I don't want to go home because I don't know if I'm still going to be a part of the family. I don't know if my father is going to love me today. That would be devastating for a child to have to live a life that way. And God does not want us to live our life wondering from day to day, am I part of the family or am I not? Does God love me today or does He not? Did I mess up so much today that, that now what Christ did for me on the cross over 2,000 years ago wasn't good enough and now i got to go back to Him? And that salvation has to start over. And can I tell you today that the answer to that is no. You can't mess up that much. That you are secure in your relationship with Him. And I want us to, to see this today. It is a very important truth that we need to understand. And I want to throw this statement out at you to kind of get our minds thinking around this today. And this statement, I think, is a very powerful statement that I read many years ago that says, the God who saves you is the God who secures you, and it is the God that keeps you. So God saves you, God secures you, and God keeps you. And that is such a powerful truth that if we can wrap our minds around that and completely understand that, it would totally change our lives. And we would end up with a great joy and a great peace knowing who we are in Christ, knowing that we are secure in Him. So here are a few truths that I want you to get this morning and I don't know what you've been taught over the years or what you've thought over the years because I know that there are many different thoughts there are some people that believe that you come to Christ but then you sin tomorrow you're you're no longer in Christ you got to come back to Christ that you lose your salvation every time you sin there are some that believe uh, that you can never lose it no matter what you do or how bad you live your life and, and there are some that believe that uh, you can keep it until you decide to walk away from it and I promise you in this room we have all those different thoughts but here's what I want us to do this morning I want us to to try our best to get all of our thoughts out of our mind all the things that we have taught and let's look at what God says today let's look at his word and understand his truth about what it means to be eternally secure in Christ And the first truth that I want you to see this morning is that we are eternally secure in our salvation. Eternally secure in our salvation. Turn back with me, if you would, to John, the third chapter. In John chapter 3, it's a very important uh, passage, a very important scripture that defines for us what salvation is, and when we understand this, we, we begin to understand what salvation really is and what salvation is not, and I think that is where we need to start today. So in John chapter 3, at the very beginning, we have a man by the name of Nicodemus that comes on the scene. So look with me, if you would, beginning at verse 1, we'll read down through verse 3. It says, there was a man named Nicodemus a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee after dark one evening by the way I like to call him Nick because he's the original Nick at night after dark he comes to Jesus one evening and when he comes to Jesus he came to speak with Jesus and he says rabbi we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you So Nicodemus realized that there's something special about this man Jesus that God had sent him but when he calls him rabbi he's saying you are a great teacher. So Nicodemus even at this point is not realizing exactly who Christ is. But what I really find interesting that happens is that Nicodemus says these things to him and then Jesus answers a question that Nicodemus has not even asked yet. And we see that in verse 3. Jesus replied... He said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, we don't see Nicodemus really asking him, Jesus, what do I need to do to see the kingdom of God? But here's the key to all this. Jesus sees the heart. And when Nicodemus came, he knew what Nicodemus was struggling with in his heart. And he says, here's the thing, Nick." You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Now, that is kind of a strange statement. And Nicodemus was a little bit confused here, and he begins to question Jesus. And over the next several verses, Jesus, talking to Nicodemus, explains to him what he means by being born again. Nicodemus says, how can I be born again? I I can't enter my mother's womb again and be born. And Jesus shares with Nicodemus that what I'm talking about is not a physical birth. But it is a spiritual birth. And this spiritual birth, there is a renewal that takes place in the heart. So Nicodemus, this religious leader who studied the law, who knew the law, who did probably great things with the law, is now questioning this man Jesus. And Jesus says, you got the head knowledge and you're still missing it because it takes a heart transformation. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, you need to be born again. So keep in mind, when we're talking about being born again, we're talking about being saved. When we're talking about being saved, we're talking about being born again. Jesus said, if you want to get to heaven, you must be born again. And he explains how this is a spiritual birth. And then Jesus goes on. And in verse 16, beginning in verse 16, Jesus lets us know how this spiritual rebirth takes place. How this happens in our life. Notice what he says in verse 16 of chapter 3. He says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That through him is through Jesus Christ. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. So Jesus makes it very clear. And he makes it very simple, by the way. He said, if you want that rebirth, here's how it happens. You must believe that God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to come into the world to die on the cross for you, to pay your penalty of sin. And now he has risen again. He lives in heaven with the Father, waiting for the Father one day to say, go and get your bride. I'm looking forward to that day. And we believe that truth but I want you to understand this belief is not a head belief because even the demons in hell believe that. It is a heart belief. And it's that heart belief that is a transformation in our life. It is that being born again spiritually. It's taking what we've heard about Jesus, who he is, what he did, and what he taught, Taking those things and going, yes, I believe that. And yes, I want to surrender my life to him. I want to live my life for him. Today, my life is no longer mine. It is his because I am living for him because I believe that truth today. And when you do that, you are now secure in your salvation. And Jesus says, those are my sheep. Those are the ones who believe. Not here but they believe here. They have come to know me as their personal lord and savior. Not a head knowledge, but a heart transformation. And we see through scripture how this happens. We see that in Romans 3:23, all of us are in need of this transformation because there the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When it says all of us have sinned, you know what that means? All of y'all, right? not me, all of you no, all of us, we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. Even Nicodemus, this great religious leader, this man of the law, this man that was doing probably great works, he even needed Jesus. And I want to tell you, if Nicodemus needed Jesus, so do you. And so do I. And so does everybody else in this world. Because we are born into this world and we have this sinful nature And the being reborn is that sinful nature is now transformed into God's nature. It's a transformation that takes place. It is a rebirth that takes place. Romans 10.9 goes on to say that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because of Jesus' death on our behalf, all we have to do is believe in Him, trusting His death as the payment for our sins and you will be saved. Romans ten thirteen says it again. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's saying everyone who places their faith, believes in Him and trusts Him with their life will be saved. Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins. To rescue us. And to restore our relationship with God. And in Him, our salvation is secure. Why is it secure? Because it's not based on my works, but it's based on His works. We'll look at that in just a moment. It's not head knowledge of Jesus, but it's heart belief. Trusting Him as our Lord and Savior. And by the way, Jesus talks about this in John the 14th chapter when He says, There is no other way to the Father except through me Jesus says you want to get to the father I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me a very bold statement and that statement says that you're not going to get to the father on your own good works on your own faith whatever that may be you're not going to get to God by any other person other than Jesus Christ very bold statement By the way, that's a statement that if you go around proclaiming in our world today, people are going to stand up against you and say, how can you be so narrow-minded? Let me tell you how I can be so narrow-minded. Jesus made that statement, and then he backed that statement up with his death, burial, and resurrection. And I can stand on that truth because he backed it up. And when we place our faith and trust in him, it changes our life and we are secure in that salvation. Acts 4.12 says that there is no other name, Under heaven given among men by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. And when we place our faith and trust in him, we are secure in him. If you're basing your salvation on anything other than Jesus Christ, you will be greatly disappointed. If you're basing it on your good deeds, your good works, you're going to be greatly disappointed. Because scripture even tells us that even in our best, that is as filthy rags to him. Our best is never good enough. But Christ's best was more than enough for us. And when we place our faith and trust in Him, we are secure in that salvation. We are secure in Him. So we are secure in Christ, eternally secure in our salvation. Secondly, we are eternally secure in our position. We're eternally secure in our position. When we are born again, we are now part of God's family. If you were to look back in John chapter 1 in verses 12 and 13, it says this, but to all who did receive Him, that's all that believed in Him, all who placed their faith and trust in Him, He gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in His name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but born of God reborn that new birth and when that new birth takes place we are now transformed we are no longer our old self we are now a new creation and in that new creation we are now able to be called a child of God and I want you to get this today because if you are a child of God you know what that means you are royalty boy if we were in church today we're royalty I don't know if you watch this or not but A couple months ago, uh, the Queen of England died, remember that, and it was all over the news and everything, and and, uh, people were respecting her, that uh, position that she held, and you see all the royal family, and they're showing people on television that I didn't even know who they were, but they're all part of this royal family, and I remember sitting there thinking, going, what would it be like? to be a part of the royal family. I mean, growing up uh, in that and everywhere you go, you know, you probably got to have people protecting you and all that because you're part of this royal family. And I remember just looking at that and then I thought this. I thought, I am so glad that I am a part of God's royal family because the royal families here on this earth, all that stuff's going to fade away. It's going to die. It's going to pass away. It will be gone one day. And other than reading it in books, you might know their name then, but you won't know who was who or what was what. But in God's family, that is eternal. And we'll be with Him for eternity. Part of God's family. And I think sometimes in our Christian walk, we forget this. We forget who we are in Christ. And I even think sometimes in our Christian walk that we begin to doubt who we are in Christ. And there's a couple reasons that I want to point out here for that. But I wonder today, has there ever been a time, uh, don't, I don't want to embarrass anybody, so don't answer this, but has there ever been a time in your life where you questioned your salvation? Where you questioned, does God really love me? I, I've questioned that because I know me. And sometimes it's very hard for me to even love me. So how could this great God out there love me? And there's times that I question that or there's time in my Christian walk that I, I mess up. This one I'll let you answer. How many messed up this week? I do this all the time because I just want to feel good about myself to know I'm not the only one. And to see if you're being honest. We all mess up. Even in our Christian walk, we, we screw up along the way, Right? And I think sometimes because of that, it depends on how big our mistake is sometimes. We screw up and we just think, "Eh, God can forgive me or, or forgive others and love others that have done that, but I don't know that he can forgive me or love me. And we have that thought that sometimes creeps in. And I think we need to understand that when that thought is there, a lot of times it's because we look at salvation as a performance-based salvation. And this comes natural to us because we live in a performance-based world, right? So if we have a job and we do a good job, uh, then we should be rewarded for that good job. But if we have a job and we don't do a good job, then we should not have that job, right? Right? And it's that way in relationships, even with others. I will love other people that are in my life as long as they perform to my expectation. But if they don't perform to my expectation, then I'm going to find it hard to love them today. And that's just natural for us. And sometimes we take that same outlook and we use that for our own salvation. And we think, well, God can't love me today because I wasn't good enough today. Or God can't love me and I can't be saved today because I messed up so much today. But let me tell you, that is a lie. That is a false belief that I think comes from the enemy who wants to keep us down, doesn't want us to have joy in our salvation. Another problem that some people have is what I would call a spiritual low self-esteem. Now, some of us have low self-esteem in life. You know, we, we're always worried about how people look at us and what people think of us. And, and sometimes that's even true in our spiritual life, that, that I'm not as good as, as somebody else. I don't read my Bible as much as somebody else. I, I, I'm just not uh, the kind of Christian that they are. And because of that, I, I put myself down and I think, can God really love me? And so I'm missing out on the peace and joy in that today because I'm not good enough I don't ever measure up let me clear all this up for us today first of all you need to understand this that our salvation is a performance-based salvation but the good news on that is it's not based on your performance it's based on Christ's performance for us and Christ took care of all that When he went to the cross and died for us. So we base our salvation on not who I am, but who I am in Christ. Because that's where my salvation is, is in Christ. Not in my good works. Because I can't do enough good works. It's all in Christ. And what Christ did on the cross for me. And not only that, if you think you don't measure up, you can never be good enough. There is truth in that. You will never be good enough. You will never measure up on your own. Because it's not by your works, but it's by His works. It's not by your goodness, but it's by His goodness. So think of it this way. What you could not be, Christ became for you. What you could not do, Christ did for you. And so I don't have to worry about how I measure up to anybody else. I don't have to measure how I look to everybody else. All I have to do is measure up to what Christ did for me. And I want to tell you something. Christ died for you, 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 and you, and for me all the same. He died for us all. He took our place and our salvation in Him is secure and our position in Him is secure. We are a child of the King and we are royalty. Each and every one of us. And that should encourage us every day. Matter of fact, uh, think how that would change our life every day if if we realized that we are truly a child of the King. We step out of bed in the morning, go look in the mirror, and when you look at yourself in the mirror, look at yourself and say, Self, that's the way I talk to myself, Self, you're royalty. You are royalty. You are a child of the king, and your life is different. Now, here's what will happen to some of you when you do that for the first time. You'll go out to the garage to get in your car. You'll expect a nice big Rolls Royce out there with your own driver opening the door. I'm royalty. That's what I expect, right? Uh, That's not what you're going to get. Sorry. That's not what that means. That's worldly royalty. But we are a child of the heavenly king. And we are his child from today on for all of eternity. And that is great news for us today to remember that we are a child of the King. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering of our sin so that we could be made made right with God through Christ. It's not based on who you are, what you've done, or anything else, but it is based on Christ. All right. the last point. I am secure in my possessions. Not possessions, but possession. I am secure in my possession. What is my possession? Notice again, going back to John chapter 10 in verse 28. Jesus says that I give them eternal life. So when we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, Christ gives us something. That is something that we possess. He doesn't say in that that passage that I am going to give them at a later time eternal life that I might give them eternal life if they perform well as a follower of mine. He says that I give them eternal life. The moment that you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, He gives you eternal life right then. Now, a lot of us have in our mind that eternal life begins when we what? I knew you weren't there. When we die, right? That's when eternal life begins. No, eternal life begins the day that we choose to follow Christ and he becomes the Lord and Savior of our life. We are living that eternal life today. Now, how would that change our life each and every day if we realized that we could never die? Well, we could get in that basket and go up the cliff not worry about what the rope looked like. We could open the door of an airplane and jump out and say, I don't need a parachute. I'm not going to die. Why would we stop at stoplights if we knew we were never going to die? The reality is, is that As a child of the King, we will not die. We will live forever with Him. We have that eternal life. Now, that does not mean at all that you can go out and live your life any way that you want to. Because when we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God begins to live in us. And when the Spirit of God lives in us, what the Spirit of God does is He begins to make us more like Christ in our life. And as we become more like Christ, we realize that we don't want to do the sin that's out there anymore because we don't like that. That's not who we are. We are a new person. The old is gone. All things are new. We have been transformed and now we are becoming more and more like Christ every day. And when I realize what Christ did for me, when I realize that my uh, salvation is secure in him. when I realize who I am, I am a child of the king. When I realize that I have eternal life that began the day that I gave my life to him, then I want to live each and every day for him because I get what he did for me. Do you get it? Do you get what he did for you? Do you believe that he is who he said he was? Do you believe that he did what we know that he did? Do you believe that he taught and The truths that he taught apply to our lives today. And have you placed your faith and trust in him? Beyond head knowledge into heart knowledge where the heart has been transformed. And now we are secure in him. And I want to tell you, I got a hundred other points. We can go all day. But I'm not going to. But listen, don't miss this. This is so powerful in our lives that when we get who we are in Christ, and we realize that we are secure in Him, it is life transforming. I'm going to close uh, with this powerful words from Paul found in 2 Timothy 1. He said, Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, His prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But I am not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day, the day of redemption. The God who saves you is the God who secures you, And he is the god who will keep you how do i apply this in my life every day well first of all make sure that you're in christ make sure that it's gone beyond a head knowledge to a heart transformation that you have trusted him as your lord and savior that you know him and that eternal life is yours in him and then live out your christian life with boldness and confidence listen we can go out into this world no matter what we face and we can hold our heads high because we have confidence in our security that is in Christ Jesus. Not in us, not in the things of this world, but in Him and in Him alone. And we can be proud that we are children of the King. Let's pray together. you bow your head and close your eyes this morning, I want you to take a moment and just reflect on who you are in Christ. And I want to ask you this most important question. Do you know Him today as your Lord and Savior? Have you had that heart transformation? Has that taken place in your life? Today, if that has never happened, and God is speaking to your heart today, then I challenge you today. Receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Allow Him to transform your life today. Today, if you know Him You can go back. You know that he has transformed your life. You know that you're in him. What is he asking of you today? What is the message that he has for you? Allow him just to speak to your heart today. Father, I thank you again for your word. I thank you for your word that challenges, your word that convicts, your word that encourages. And God, I pray that right now, just over the next few moments, that each one of us, would just spend some time with you. Saying, God, how does this apply to me? And if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, maybe they've known about you, but they have not had that transformation of the heart, that today would be the day of salvation for them. God, we thank you for your wonderful love for us. Now, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. What a powerful thing. And God, we thank you that you give us the hope through him. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.